Welcome to the latest edition of the Views from the Wings podcast. And, you know, the Eagles, they had a very bad performance on Sunday. They just looked terrible, inept, couldn't do anything after that first drive, and couldn't get the Raiders off the field. And it just showed us, time once again, that this team is... This team is not that good, and it's going to be a long time before they're good. It looks like we don't know what's going to happen to Nick Sirianni. doesn't look like he's going to be a, a coach of the Eagles for a long time, and it's definitely looking like Jeremy Hurts is not going to be the starter in 2022 because he really hasn't shown, any, shown us anything. He's always uh, throwing behind uh, Devontae Smith on slant routes and then overthrowing receivers underthrowing receivers so it's kind of like everybody does doesn't know what this team is going to be what what their identity is they barely run the ball and when they ran the ball on Sunday Miles Sanders got injured so now we're depending on a rookie a rookie and Kenneth Gainwell and it's like it's just looking when are we going to get our first win it might not even be against uh the uh, the un, uh, winless lines. So it's like things need to change, and I think things need to change at the top, and that's starting with Ty Roseman. A bunch of people that I follow, they've been getting on him for the poor draft, decision, draft decisions that he's making, the contract that he's been giving out. So if anybody deserves to go, it's him for the mess that he's put the Eagles in after winning the Super Bowl. It's been a it's been a pretty terrible year so far, and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. You're right. There doesn't there's nothing that you can point to for this team, and something you point to and and really be excited about, or or even you know potential wise. Like it's just like this team is so so hapless. There's there's nothing. Like even even guys that showed a lot of potential, like Mylotta, he just he just plays like crap some days. You know, there's certain guys where you think like are supposed to be you know, foundational pieces of your team that just aren't doing anything. And um, Fletcher Cox is one of those guys. And um, I know defensive scheme hasn't put him in a lot of great places to succeed, but um, just in general, there's just, there's just not anything from this team where you can, you can say, yeah, at least, at least we know we got that going for us. Um, There's just not. And um, a lot of it starts with um, Nick Sirianni, his game planning, and, and especially Jalen Hurts and how he performs and executes that game plan. And once again, it was just uh, there's poor execution and poor game planning. Just um, same stuff we've seen all year, pretty much, other than, other than week one. And um, it seemed like in the Wentz era, our Doug Peterson Wentz era, what plagued them was not getting out to a fast start. Like they would. They would uh, usually defer to, to get the ball to, I mean, I'm sorry, sorry, defer the coin toss to give the ball away. And then the other team would usually score or do, you know, get some sort of good drive going. And then the Eagles would, would sputter for most of the game to start. And then they'd come on late. And it seems like this team is like, they, they get to starting out great. Like another, another first drive touchdown and six plays six, or I'm sorry, eight plays 67 yards. <clears throat> it was good. And um, that was even with um, Hertz with me. That was even him missing some throws as far as placement. And I think Smith dropped two or three balls really early on that could have been caught, but uh, still the placement was, was bad. Um, and then you saw, I think with that kind of like the beginning of the end, it was um, when Sirianni accepted that penalty on third and 13 um, mm-hmm. and, and are forcing a third and 13 instead of just taking the fourth down. 
Um, so it's, it's crazy that he's such a bad decision maker. I think like, um, at least with, with Doug Peterson, it seemed like he actually was a, was a good decision maker. Um, a lot of times. And I think people disagree with his fourth down calls, but it seemed like his process was, was pretty sound. And for me, it seems like Nick Sirianni is like, well, if the data says one thing, I'm going to do that no matter what. And apparently that, you know, the data probably does say, you know, it's, it's, the, the chances of you completing that that pass to get the first down is extremely small, but yeah. that data that data kind of ignores the context of who the Philadelphia Eagles are, and they're a team that gives up that play all the time, and it doesn't take into context of Jonathan Gannon's scheme because I guarantee you, if you if you ran the numbers using only Jonathan Gannon's uh, you know scheme, the, the type of defense he runs, those plays are going to be completed more often than you know more often than they would in a in a normal circumstance. So. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, the the one the one bright thing I saw from uh, the last game was Maddox. I think Avon Maddox is playing super well. Yeah. Like even his, his tackling, um, his coverage is really good. He seems like he's playing in the right position. Other than that, though, like everyone seems out of position. The linebackers seem like they're, you know, not getting played to their strengths, the safeties, and especially def- the defensive line. Um, so just a tough game, man. And I, it, it leaves you kind of wondering what's going to happen for the future. Yeah, and it's um, everything just looks like a like a mess, as you were saying, and it's uh, things really need to change before um, before Nick Sirianni gets a hook or Jalen Hurts gets um, benched, and you know there's a big move on Monday. Uh, the Eagles ended up trading Joe Flacco back to the Jets. And that basically elevated Gardner Minshew to um, to the backup QB role, and I think a lot of people took that as you know. At I think at some point Gardner Minshew is going to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles. It's just a matter of when, because I don't think Hurts is. Uh, I think going. At, I saw a tweet somewhere. I forget who it was from, but. Um, Jalen Hurts only had seven completions in the in the first three quarters of the game on Sunday, and he basically got all his stats in in um in garbage time. So it's kind of showing that he's not since week one. He's really like, and maybe even the game against uh, the Chiefs, he really hasn't been playing well at all. And I just think the only way the Eagles make that move, Joe Flacco, is if they see. Gardner Minshew as being the well, sometime during the season being the starting quarterback and Jalen Hurts getting benched. That that's how I see it. Like um I, I'm I, I could see that scenario for sure. And it's definitely something that could happen. Um I think the I think the trade had more to do um with, with the Jets needing someone and the, the, and having that that Flacco connection. I think it had a lot to do with because I mean if, if the Jets didn't have that injury, I I doubt Flacco gets traded. Um because I, I could the hell's gonna take Joe Flacco. So yeah. um it does it does open up a Gardner Minshew uh, type of type of season. And maybe it makes Jalen Hurts seats seat a little warmer. I, I don't I don't know. I, I just I don't know what's gonna be gained from doing anything this season. Maybe you can see at least what Sirianni does with a different quarterback. Like maybe if uh he can have a little more success offensively. I don't know, but going back to your Jalen Hurts comment, yes, um, actually, 
at, at halftime, uh, he was five of 10 for 62 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and so in that game, like the final score, 33, 22, if you didn't watch that game, you know, you, you're just looking at scoreboard scores, you're going through like, Oh, you know, the Eagles, they made it was a competitive game. You know, they, they had a, they had a good game. No, it was, it was horrible, man. They had 30 to seven was, was the score going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, um, the Eagles didn't didn't score another touchdown after didn't get a single point after that first drive um, until um, eleven thirty eight left into the uh, eleven thirty eight left in the game. So yeah, they they scored a bunch of points in the game, but it, I mean it was garbage time, and it, that's that seems to be a lot of what has been the statistical makeup of Jalen Hurts. And actually, um, I saw a, a tweet that he's got like. 80 plus percent of his fantasy points which obviously doesn't mean anything for the for real life but yeah 80 percent of his fantasy points are scored in the fourth quarter yeah <laughs> that just kind of helps illustrate how just how ineffective he's been in the in the first three quarters and it, those those there's been a couple games like those last in the game pushes have meant something but at the end of the day it means nothing if, if you're not winning you know if you're not winning it's just it's just yardage that the defense is giving you and, um, you know, it's, it's just for, it's just free stuff. And, you know, it, the thing about this team, though, is that they're just not a good team. And it's not it's not like a Jalen Hurts only issue or a Nick Sirianni only issue. It's it's Jonathan Gannon. It's, it's some of these players like like Derek Barnett, seven games in zero sacks, um, 10 games since his last sack, actually, for Derek Barnett and mm-hmm. just massive, massive underperformances. And. Um, what's his name um, from from Washington Kerrigan? Um, yeah, seven, in seven games he's yet to record a tackle for a loss or a sack, and it, it doesn't. It makes no sense how we have all these players who are supposed to be talented, they but they they just can't produce on the field. And the biggest issue for me, I think last um, last game was just how bad and soft the defense was because you can't you can't win any games like that, and you can't win any games with how bad the offense has been, but. When you have guys like Derek Carr, I mean, Derek Carr had two incomplete passes in the first half. He he had one incompletion the entire game until their last uh, field goal drive before the half ended, and that drive was only given was pretty much given to them. You know what I mean? Um, that was one of those possessions that the Eagles turned. I'm pretty sure they turned the ball over um, right before the half. But um, yeah, I mean, they're just giving them easy completions, and it seems like for all those years we saw Jim Schwartz and his stick sticks defense, and how how frustrating it was to watch all these receivers get, you know, open space. And we thought we were getting Jonathan Gannon and that the days of that was over. And it's been even, it's been even worse. I mean, these receivers are constantly getting open yards, like just, just easy, easy stuff. And quarterbacks like Carr, who is not, you know, he's not a world beater. He's not the best guy in the world, but he's a, he's a veteran. He knows how to diagnose a a simple zone defense. And that's all that Gannon's running. And um, yeah, um, I, I wanted to say real quick also, just to kind of highlight that was um, at least four of the four of the last five quarterbacks they faced have completed eighty percent or more. Uh, Dak completed eighty one percent, Mahomes eighty, Brady eighty one, Carr ninety one. That's um, there's only been one other team in NFL history to do that for an entire season. For an entire season, and the Eagles have done it in in uh, seven games. So, so uh, yeah, that's kind of where the Eagles' defense is at. Yeah, and it's uh, that's a very you can't let your the quarterback who are facing throw over 
eighty percent. That's very bad. And um, I think I hate bringing it up, but every time you see Jalen Hurts play in the last few weeks that um, Carson Wentz is playing, it's showing like the Eagles may they've made they may they have made a mistake in trading him, even though Carson Wentz didn't want to be here. You see what he's doing. The Colts, even though the Colts started off with a bad record, zero and three, they're missing a bunch of players. And now look at look at them. They he throws for four hundred yards against the Ravens, and then in like monsoon like conditions, he ends up throwing goes for seventeen for twenty six and like one hundred fifty yards, and threw a touchdown pass to basically ice the game against the Niners. So it's kind of like it's looking like the Eagles made a mistake there, and. You know that just lead begs the question: Are they going to target another quarterback in the in the next year, whether it be by trade or by drafting one? And I've seen a lot of people say that um, this quarterback class is not that good. Yeah, you don't have those sexy names out there, but if you actually go look at them play, go look at their highlights, and go look at like the competition that they're playing, some of them are pretty good. Like a guy like Kenny Pickett, he's starting to pick up steam. You have Malik Willis out of Liberty. Yeah, you can uh, you can judge him on based on the competition he plays, which is very lo- low level competition. And then you have a guy like Matt Corral, who is uh, who's in the SEC and plays for a guy like Lane Kiffin, who's an offensive genius. So you see, like, I think it's time where Eagles, a lot of Eagles fans, are turning to the turning to the mock draft and trying to figure out what's the best way for this Eagles team to get better, whether it be through the draft or through free agency. Yeah, and um, you, they're, they're going to be at a crossroads type of situation where they need to figure out what, they, what they're going to do with the future. Um, but to go back to the to the Wentz thing, um, I, I think we both agree they, they never should have traded Wentz, but I think the real the, the real issue lies in letting the situation get to where it was, where Wentz didn't want to play here because um, I mean, he did some, I mean, the Eagles did give him that contract and, you know, and he would have been stupid. I mean, the only decision was to sign that contract, but obviously I think at one point he did want to want to make it work here. And I don't know what caused the deterioration of it, but I do know that I'm not just going to blame Wentz. I'm not just going to just pretend that he was, you know, everything was perfectly fine. And, you know, he just got upset because he got benched and that's when he decided, no, that's not what happened. That's not a decision that you make overnight, you know, especially a guy like Carson Wentz, who's very thoughtful and, and very intelligent and, and knows the direction. I think he kind of understood the direction his career was going. And yeah. that falls on Howie Roseman. The fact that he was having those thoughts of uncertainty and the fact he was he didn't feel reassured, you know, within the team, and a lot of that probably did have to do with drafting Jalen Hurts. And but I don't think that was the only move. I think um, I think when he signed that contract, it was it was kind of like a yeah, I'm signing this, but it, you know, it's only because you're paying me what you're paying me. And yeah. um, you know, that, that that was the only team that could that could pay him that much. Yeah, there there was no, and I've seen that argument before. It's like well. If, if he was so unhappy, why did he sign that contract? Which is such a, a, a dumb, dumb argument because the the only other alternative was him saying, um, no, I'm not going to sign this contract. Let me actually wait a year until I become a free agent um, because actually, you know, I'd have to go back. I can't remember how his contract was, but I mean, he was, it was a fifth year option. So it's not yeah. like, it's not like he could have even became a free agent. So it's just crazy because if he would have turned down that money, that story would have came out. Eagles offered Carson Wentz the most guaranteed money ever. He turns it down. 
you know, what, then what, then what happened? Then people are already thinking he wants out, you know, two years prior and people aren't going to be happy about that. So it's just crazy to me that he gets, you know, penalized or, you know, shit on for, for signing that contract as if that's, you know, uh, him committing to this team for the rest of his life. And the Eagles did make a mistake. They made a mistake in letting the situation get so toxic and, and letting Howie Roseman really make that situation what it was. And that kind of brings me to the, to my next point. Um, well, actually real quick talking about how the Colts, you know, they, they start off poor. I mean, they're, they're three and four right now. And I thought it was funny. Um, I, I've seen all the people kind of clown the Colts after week one and the Eagles, you know, to get destroying uh, the Falcons after week one. It's kind of how much, brighter their future or their season outlook looks compared to us it's done a complete 180 in just you know a month and a half because i mean if you look at just their next three games you got titans jets titans jets uh jaguars you can go three no in the, those games no i don't think anyone would be shocked if they are at the end of that or uh you know six and four or even or even sitting uh, right at 500 so um I think uh, their their outlook's a lot better than ours right now. Um, and the only thing I can say is at least we know, I think, that this pick is definitely coming to us. It's definitely going to be a first-round pick. How valuable that first-round pick is, I think, is going to be, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think it's probably going to be like a top 15, 18-ish pick. But, I mean, they could still – they could win that division. I mean, the Titans are 5-2, and two, but they're not like – I know they beat the Chiefs. They looked really good their last game. But uh, they're, they're not like uh, – they're not a team that I think that the Colts could couldn't beat the division, but um, to to bring it to kind of where the Eagles are going to go in the future, like this right now is kind of like a the point where this this GM job is never going to be more attractive for for a for a new GM. Yeah, and if now is the time where you have to decide, do you want Howie, do you want Howie Roseman for the next you know five three to five years or whatever it is going to be. Or um, do you want to, and even if it isn't three to five years, do you want to go with Howie Roseman another year or two and then maybe get a worse GM candidate because the, the job isn't going to be as attractive? And I say it's, it's going to be attractive because obviously there's three first round picks. Right now you're looking at the second overall pick and the Eagles are probably going to finish somewhere with a top 10 pick at the very least, I would imagine. I mean, it could be, it could be even lower than that. Um, and then obviously, obviously the Colts, it looks like that's going to be a third first round pick. They have, I believe, 11 um, 11 picks in the next draft um they have um most of those picks are in the top five rounds so they have like three fifth round picks i want to say um so obviously that's going to attract uh, a lot of people that that really want this job and it doesn't even have to necessarily be to go get a quarterback because you've got you've got rogers you've got russ and you've got watson who are all probably going to be available at least at least at least somewhat available. And yeah. that gives, that gives that GM that, that decision. They can also decide, Hey, do I want a new coach? Do I, do I want to go ahead and can Sirianni after a one and done? Do I want to find, you know, do I want to roll with him? Do I want to try to try to find one of these young quarterbacks and take him this draft? Do I want to pursue a Russell Wilson? You have so many options and you will have the cap room to do it because that, that wins cap hit. I'm pretty sure it's only, mostly for this season. I would have to check the exact numbers, but from what I remember, they, they're going to have, you know, top 10, top 12 type of cap room as far as next year or, or, you know, coming after coming up. So all of those factors, it's a big market, you know, um, it's not like you're going to go be the GM for, you know, Jacksonville or, or, you know, some other, you know, even like the Titans or, you know, just, just some sort of team that no one's really going to care about. The Eagles are, 
Philadelphia is a top five sports market in, you know, and that's, that's every sport. Mm-hmm. They're one of the top, top five markets in the world. So as a GM, I would be looking at that. If I'm a guy who wants, you know, a, a young up and comer in, in a, in a front office and I'm ready to go take that next step and be a GM, I'm looking at that Eagles job as the best opportunity that's going to come around in a very, very long time. So it all comes down to, is Jeffrey Lurie going to continue with Howie Roseman? Are you going to let Howie Roseman be in charge of all these assets, all this stuff? And then what happens if he fucks it up again and he passes on a Justin Jefferson and takes a Jalen Rager, you know, and and that's going to only be exacerbated by the fact you've got three first round picks. So you've got three potential giant misses that you can have for Roseman. And I know it's funny because it's, we, we become such like prisoners to Howie Roseman, I think, as a fan base that there's an actual narrative of, well, the more the more draft picks Howie has, the better chance he has of not fucking it up. You know, you know, I know he's not a good drafter, but just give him more opportunities. And then he won't like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. How is that a fucking mindset that that, you know, you acknowledge this guy is terrible at what is probably the most important part of team building? And you're just like, well, just give him a lot of chances and, and maybe he'll get a couple of them, which hasn't really even worked out that well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I just think if you give him one more offseason and draft, I think he's just going to, he's going to screw it up. And I think somebody, somebody young in the NFL, wherever they are, I think they probably deserve to be a GM. And you, you're right in saying that this is a very attractive spot to be a GM next year because you'll have like, you're, you're most likely going to have three first round picks. And you're gonna have a cap space to go get free agents, so it's kind of like, um, yeah. I think the best thing the Eagles could do is fire Howie Roseman and then try to at least try to at least um, promote Andy Weidel or hire somebody else to be the GM because Howie Roseman is not he ain't it, and he ain't it for a very long time. No, he's and not, dude. It's he's been in the organization since like. In, since like 99 or he's been in this organization for such a long time. So it's probably going to kill Jeffrey Lurie to fire him, but I think it's, it needs to be done. And I also think Jeffrey Lurie will listen to the fan base. I think he's mm-hmm. done that in the past. And I just think if he's smart enough, he'll listen to us again and, you know, put this team in a new direction. Well, yeah. And they need it. They, they need it more than anything. Like, it's just crazy how, how far we've gone. I just want to address one thing uh, before we wrap it up. I've seen a lot of people saying um, Doug Peterson should still be the head coach. That's, that should absolutely not be the case because if Doug Peterson was still the head coach, Press Taylor and Corey Unlin would be the offensive decent defensive coordinators, yep. coordinators and we wouldn't see any change. Yeah, Is that what and, you wanted? And, like, come on. <laughs> and just because you you hired the wrong guy doesn't mean you go back to the to your old guy. You know what I mean? Like, you get out of you get out of a relationship and then you go to a new relationship and that one's terrible too. You don't go back to the old one. It was terrible as well. You find a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's just, I they missed out on Brandon Staley and I don't know. I texted you that report. I don't know if you saw it. That yeah. um, apparent. I, I don't know how you know what the validity is, but apparently Brandon Staley, the big reason he turned down the Eagles job was Howie Roseman. He didn't. He didn't want to deal with that. And wouldn't, wouldn't it shock me if that was the case? Because, I, I mean, man, yeah. they just they just need some direction. Because if you look, the, the Detroit Lions are as bad as a football team as we've seen in recent years. You know, they're, they're 0-7. They don't, they don't win a game. And right now, the Eagles are 
only three point favorites. And I even even at home, you know, if the, if the Eagles were playing at home, they'd probably be about a six point favorite. But um, even even with the Lions at home, only being a three point favorite against that bad of a team, I mean, that just Jeffrey Lurie should be looking at that and thinking, what in the fuck is that go, is going on here? Because yeah. I mean, when you looked look at that game, there's it, it's it's a coin flip. Like we wouldn't be surprised if the I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles lost that game. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. And I think the Eagles win. I wouldn't be surprised. You said if they lost, I just think mm-hmm. you can't lose to the Lions. If you, you lose can't. to the Lions, if if it, if they lose to the Lions, I think shit is just gonna go downhill from there. You could be, you could see a firing happen midseason, mm-hmm. and you don't want that happening. Just, uh, just to create a divisive locker room and. You don't want that. So no. we'll leave it at there. Um, follow me at Big Niche 20, follow Aaron at Ampossius5, and we'll get back to you guys next week. Fly goes fly.